This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rob Ryan Road. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red. You know the drill by now. The Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with hype, uh, with Red 10 People Development. I don't know the drill myself. And the music, as always, brought, brought to you by Wrexham based band Hypnotic. So, Nafe, I mean, we were complaining for a long time, weren't we, about Wrexham's inability to keep clean sheets. Three on the bounce now. And what a fun week it's been. We've had very different performances. We've seen the bulk of the Wrexham squad. We've got a brilliant new episode of Welcome to Wrexham to get into as well. And yeah, I'm feeling really positive. I'm loving it. We've got some exciting games on the horizon. How are you doing? Rich, I'm doing well. I'm very happy. I mean, look, we've got an email this week, robbrianreadgmail.com, from Nigel, who, long-time listener, we know he's gone through a very hard time and he always constantly listens to the podcast. So, Nigel, you're great. But he did have a few words. I don't want to say he called us out, Rich. But there's a lot of boxing fights this time of year. I think he might have called us out because he said, hi, guys, great pod as always, but uncharacteristically negative. Not sure what people's expectations were before the season started, but four wins, four draws, and only two defeats is a great return. This was uh, last week before the Crawley game. And he said, look, you know, we're, we're doing fine. It'll all work itself out. Fletcher's going to be great for us. Things, this is what he said, things will level out and we will find our feet. And you know what? Maybe we needed to be more like Nigel last week because... Things have we found our feet. Things have settled down a bit. A win at Crawley, we'll get into that red card for Andy Cannon and kind of what went wrong there. Um, beat Crew with a much changed team. Lots of positives from that. Things are looking good, Rich. I'm I you know Mansfield. You were there. We got a nil nil draw there. So after so much turmoil, three clean sheets on the spin. We're through in the EFL Trophy, no matter what people want to call uh, anyone who supports that tournament, and just be ridiculous. We've got a great episode of Welcome to Wrexham. I've got a packet of Haribo Fantasia mix. I'm looking, things are looking up, mate. What's in the Fantasia mix these days? I mean, just can you give it a little whip. Can you show us on the camera so I can see from my? Okay, yeah, looks a bit too it's, modern it's... for me. That I'm sort of tank fasting. <laughs> I mean, there was no tank fasting, so I went, I went, I went rogue with. I'll tell you what. Well, well. 
Yeah, they're soft. They're a bit too bit too plain and yeah, soft for me that. But uh, while you're seeing the while you're seeing the camera though, Rich, I'm gonna show you what I've done with so we got a little treat and we mentioned it from Disney. I gave you some of the stuff. I've got some of the stuff. I'm using my water bottle right now. I've got Rex and I've draped him in the replica National League Champions Medal. So there you go. That's what I'm doing with my um very nice plush Rex. My, my squeaky chair. What have you got? You got your water bottle. I've got my water bottle. I've got a little. Uh, this is dreadful podcast content, but I've got a little Rex Shrine in the corner. I've got also a little plug here while I'm on it. I've got a fantastic uh, book I got for my birthday. Do plug the book. Well, it's sort of a custom book. It is Rexham Rexham history told through newspaper headlines, and basically, wow. I like it. It's also got my name embroidered on the actual book itself. But basically, you can pick a page and look, Arsenal Wrexham there. It's the splash and it will be the actual um, sort of newspaper headlines from, from those games. And it's Wrexham's history told through the broadsheets, basically. There's a lot of lot of the Daily Post in there, lots of the mirror and stuff. Well, Rich, Rich, you've picked a good game because Wrexham Arsenal was the beginning, the intro for not only for Rob McElhenney when he was like researching the club and getting to know the club, but also welcome to Wrexham this week on the FA Cup. We'll get into that, but I want to start, Rich, with the bread and butter that is the league. Crawley, you were keeping an eagle eye on that while I was in my final game in that little stint in Manchester. It wasn't pretty when you texted me at halftime. It was 1-0 up. It, we were winning. But what a result to have ground out with 10 men. Brilliant. I thought it was a really, really good professional performance there. And particularly when you look at where Crawley actually are on the table. I mean, I know our predictions for the season. I think we were some of the many people who tipped them to be right in a, in a relegation fight. And all credit to Crawley that they've been right near the top. And they have got some very good players. They missed some decent chances themselves, but I thought that we were good value for the win in the end, really. I thought, I mean, we'll get onto individuals maybe in more detail later, but I do want to immediately give a shout out before I forget to Arthur Conquote, who I think is just, you take for granted how good he's been already. He's just brought a sort of serenity and calmness to the back line and two of these last three clean sheets have been with him and goal. We'll get onto who was in goal against Crew later, I'm sure. And I just think that we just we just look a lot more solid at the moment. And I suppose the difficulty as well is what will happen with Ben Tozer getting him back into the team because it's not too flattering for him that he's come out and we've had such a good away result. I think just in general, the way that we managed that that Crawley game was was really impressive. I thought you know it was very tight. We didn't create too much. Mullen should have scored to make it sort of either two 0 or maybe two one before half time because I know. Their striker missed a good chance as well, but the goal was motor magic. James McLean, we slated on the podcast last week, which I think was fair. He was brilliant. James Jones, you know, he's got his new contract again. We'll get onto that soon. Um, was brilliant. He was like the Duracell Bunny midfield. He just he had brought so much energy and sort of enterprise, particularly at the stage after we went down to ten men. And I just think to a man, you know, everyone was brilliant. Bar Andy Cannon, um, Aaron Hayden. We've had so many chats about Aaron Hayden and I've always been maybe the devil's advocate saying, is Aaron Hayden our best 11? I'm an idiot, aren't I? Aaron Hayden is incredible and that performance at Crawley proved me wrong and I'm glad it proved me wrong because he was a colossal. He was immense and I just think that we've said it before and if you look back to last season, I think of sort of the Bromley game at home 
you know, these sort of games where we say that's what archetypal champions or teams who are going to be right up in the promotion mix win. And to win away at Crawley, 20 minutes with 10 men, for me, that is, there's your minerals. That is a team there who who have the, the promotion credentials there. We saw it last season. It's a completely clean slate now. And I think Wrexham are, are right amongst there. Because I think before last week, before Mansfield particularly, I think a lot of people wrote us off and said, oh, Wrexham aren't going to get the playoffs. And, you know, they're crap. Don't believe the hype. They aren't all that. I think we've proved so many people wrong this last week. You know what, I watched, as I tend to do now, as we said last week with my eligible Bachelor lifestyle, my re-watching of the entire 90 minutes. And I'll tell you what, he made a couple of errors in the second half, but not huge ones. We've been critical of him as well this season and said he's not looked he's not looked his best, he's looked out of sorts. Tom O'Connor, and you mentioned it recently actually, and I was thinking of that when I watched it back, at left centre-back, dare I say... Later in his career, that might be where he, he establishes himself because he's so good at reading the game. And I actually thought he helped James McLean a lot in that left centre. Particularly in the first half, I thought he was really good 11 v 11. Obviously, as it went on, you know, a conquo was absolutely fantastic. And, and we said it in the summer, go and get yourself a young goalkeeper. Go and get yourself a rising star goalkeeper. And and look, the right lead people were saying, look, stick with Ben Foster. You know, I, I, they might have liked Mark Howard. They, they really like Rob Layton. All of those are in the twilight years of their career. They're either injury prone or their form is, you know, they have a ceiling for their form. Arthur Oconquo is exactly the type of player I was looking for. You know what I mean? Like we were, I was a tad surprised about you, Rich, that we went and got a loan. You know, Parky's really been against loans, uh, more or less. Maybe it's different with a goalkeeper, but, you know, a loan either is going to be out of contract at the end of the season. I think if Wrexham go up, they'll have every chance of keeping him. He's going to be hard to keep because there'll be a lot of clubs watching him. I know scouts have got lots of eyes on Wrexham. Um, but when you're talking about the defence and Aaron Hayden, and he was fantastic and Tom O'Connor was fantastic, but also, Rich, it's not easy. You're talking about minerals. It's not easy for Owen O'Connell to come back in. There he was in the pub with the Wrexham fans, you know, enjoying his day out at Stockport before that all went wrong, witnessing his teammates go through the ringer. He's had a poor start to the season. He'd struggled. You know, he had been one that we were saying, God, that right centre-back role, he, he, he's out of sorts. Yeah. He's going to have to yeah. come out. Again, you know? because he was as much of a scapegoat as Ben Foster at the start of the season. I think I even said that you know O'Connell was a bigger problem than Foster to a degree, and he looked so off at those first few games. But I think, like you said there, it's a mixture of things. It's having a Conquo who I think, okay, he's not the most vocal, but there's confidence in him. He is just... I love watching him play. He's just got so much confidence. And, you know, there will be mistakes. His style of play, the, the fact he's... Cro- I've seen him do more crow turns and saves probably since he's joined the club. You know, there might be a moment where he gets caught out or he drops a clanger. He's a young goalkeeper. Let's not get on his back when that happens because this is a guy who, right now, full, fully confident, looks incredible. He looks absolutely brilliant. One of the, as good as any goalkeeper. Maybe maybe not later at his peak, but maybe as good as anyone else, really, sort of in the last 10 years at Wrexham that I've seen. And yeah, like you said, I think that everyone deserves credit for that because, you know, it, it's games like that, especially when you go down to 10 men, that you really do prove if, you, if you've if you got it or not. And that camaraderie and the just the, just the team ethic and the spirit to not give in, to n- never give up and to see that result out through the end. We've said before, Naif, that Wrexham teams in the past that we used to watch would have lost that when they went went down 10 men. They would have crumbled. This Wrexham team didn't. 
one of the players we've got to pick out, not but only because we're legally obliged to uh, as sponsors of his away shirt. So whenever he plays on the road, we have to give him a 10 out of 10, Jacob Mendy. You know, he was the one, Rich, that was shafted, basically. It was between him and James McLean. Who was going to play on the right? You know, Jacob Mendy has played there before, as Parky alluded to, but what a bleeping shift he put in. And to see him go off injured was just a crying shame because I thought there was a point where he was blistering pace down the wing, winning foot races. He didn't even know he was in to start with. It all looked like he was going out and he would still get there. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a raw talent and, yes, he's got to refine his game, but, oh, he's... He's an exciting player. He's a really, really exciting player. He is, and he's one of those players that right now in this Wrexham team, you wouldn't be surprised by whatever level he ends up at playing that. Half you, if you want to be devil's advocate and say, you know, it might not work out for him and, you know, he, he might never sh- progress, then that's fine. He's become a Football League player. He could have a very good career in the Football League. But there is that sort of, that raw, untapped just ferocious power and technique and talent and he's got the right mentality you know he could go very high I think he he's got so much to give still we've still not seen the best out of Jacob Mendy Mendy and that's what excites me so much at times he's infuriating his decision making is not quite finessed but he's got to be learned from someone like James McLean on a daily basis he's got proper competition for places now and I think he's just he's really sort of just grown in confidence as well. And, you know, obviously when we win, it's very easy to, pl- to praise players. I thought Jordan Davis was brilliant off the bench. He had that directness that he continued and carried on to Tuesday night. Stephen Fletcher, if that goal goes in right at the death, where he just kills the ball on the byline and almost lobs the keeper for like 45 yards, that's maybe my favourite ever excellent goal. But I just think that what we've been saying throughout the season, is it's sometimes fallen on deaf ears because we haven't been getting as convincing results as maybe we need to. But our squad depth, Nath, is, I still think, unparalleled at this level. You can look at other teams and say, oh, he's a good player, he'd get into our team. Oh, they've got a few good players. Maybe in their start eleven's as good as ours. There is not another team in League 2 who has a squad, squad as good as Wrexham's. Now, you put out the post. Did people agree or disagree on the red card for Andy Cannon? I was seeing the notifications come through, and unlike you, I haven't figured out. Or I haven't not figured out. I haven't yet turned my notifications off. So my think my phone was going absolutely crazy. Yeah, after Sheffield United, United stumbling, Gate, I uh, wisely yeah, disabled Sheffield, Twitter. After Sheffield United Gate, um, where you absolutely, I thought my phone was exploding. Um, you put out this tweet about what do people think about Andy Cannon, and it got loads of responses. For me, it was it was rec- it was rec- it was a red. I would want that as a red if that was on a Wrexham player. What were your take? What was your thoughts, your take on it? Um, I'm trying to think now, and this is really, I should I should have prepared you better, but there was a red card last season that was very similar. Was it McFadzine at Barnet, maybe? Maybe it was McFadzine at Barnet. Maybe it was with McFadzine the keeper, Barnett. wasn't it? Yeah, but in the same context of this, I think it is sort of an orange card. I think it's a harsh red card, but I think you've got no excuse when you go in like that. So I for mean, me, the ref looks like he's going for the yellow. That's, that's what, what I mean. The referee looks like he's he going for the like... yellow. I think you do see tackles like that that don't get red cards weakly in, in, in League Two, some lots in the National League, where he has made an attempt to try and win the ball. He's mistimed it. It's ugly. If you're going to slow it down, if you're going to screen grab it, it looks even worse. I do think that in a natural sort of phase of play, 
when you've just come on, you're not up to speed with the actual match. You know, you're trying to sort of make up for lost time anyways, Andy Cannon was. I I understand why it happened. You know, if if it was the other way around and it was a, a Crawley player on us, I'd want a red card. There's no no question with that. I can see both sides of the argument again. I, I, ju- I think that it was that sort of blurry middle ground where, you know, you can't really complain. Was that more or less of a red card for you than Ryan Barnett's one against Crew the week before? I think it's less. I, I, you know, the less ra- of a red card. The the Ryan Barnett one. I just don't see. I, I I just think it was just a really poor time tackle. Yes, you've got the mitigation of the actual um, surface. I don't know if I'm being. I don't even know if I believe myself anymore. Actually, <laughs> uh, you know, anyway, I mean, let's just say, let's just say they're, both, they're both. But, but what I'd say is, banned, I do think they, Andy so. Cannon's was an honest attempt for the ball, and I do think that. Whereas Barnett's mitigation was the surface being wet, I think Cannon only just getting introduced to the game. I know that's not an excuse that an official should ever consider because if it happened after a minute, it would still hopefully be the same decision than it being after 90 minutes. But I do think that plays into it because I saw a lot of criticism saying, you know, his, his head's gone. And I think he'll admit himself that his performance level has been really bad this season. For a player who joined with so much hype and was so good last season at Spells, he looks better suited to that bench role where he can come on and give us a bit more control in matches that we need. But right now, you know, I think he is quite fortunate to be the, the go-to midfield sub at times because we've seen this week of what Young and Jones and O'Connor can do. We've got Lee, what Davis. I do just think that ultimately, no matter how good his career has been, there is a reason why Andy Cannon has had two non-league low moves and is now playing in League Two. Yeah, a uh, final point on this from me is I think that that tackle, that sending off for me, summed up maybe not his entire Wrexham career, but it definitely summed up his season so far. You know, bitterly frustrating, almost desperate to do well. You know, desperate. That's what, we've seen yeah, the. That's what I mean. I think it's know, almost trying too hard. Like you said, I think that's what the tackle was. You remember Luke Young at Coventry when he absolutely won the ball clean, but he hammers. I can't remember which player it was. And it got clipped up as a gif and celebrate. I remember we were in the stand next to each other and it was the massive roar when he when he did it. And a big tackle like that can do that. And if Cannon had gone right through him and won that tackle, I guarantee you he would have just felt, right, I'm in it now. I'm in this. I'm I'm, I'm stuck in. And yet you're a fraction late. You're on the ankle and, and, and there you go. And, and now for him, three games out, Ryan Barnett will finish his suspension against Salford at the weekend. We've got a Salford podcaster on to help preview that later on, so he'll be back in contention soon. We desperately need that. But yeah, Andy Cannon now. And the frustrating thing is other players are playing well in that midfield. You know, Luke Young, Tuesday night, puts in a good performance. James Jones has played well in multiple positions. In in an area so crowded, it really is a disaster in it for him to have been sent off. Exactly. Again, it sort of brings us back to that first point about the squad depth, but... If you have an off game for Wrexham now, you there's almost a justifiable reason for you to be dropped because there is a quality option who can come in. We've seen it with with previous players. Like we said, O'Connell last season was he was brilliant from when he signed to get us over the line. He was incredible. But then you're like, well, Hayden comes back in and O'Connell doesn't deserve to play. If Hayden has a bad game, you say O'Connell deserves to start. You know, Tom O'Connor, you've got Elliot Lee, Jordan Davis. We have got so much talent that it is both a blessing and a curse at times, but it is certainly more of a blessing. And yeah, I you know, I I think that ultimately now for Andy Cannon, he's at the team. In a weird way, it might be what he needs to get that sort of hunger back and to come back with a point to prove. And even for him to sort of be that that unsung hero when he comes back and gets the chance to to do something. And 
you know, that's the challenge to him now. If he wants to prove that he's really good enough to play regular football in League Two, he needs to get his head down, go again, refocus, have a bit of time away from playing matches and come back hungrier than ever. So we move on to Tuesday night. Uh, I don't know if it's still called Gresty Road, but Wrexham fans were packed into the ice cream van stand at Crewe. This is the team that they were turning out to see. And we could have had guessed a million times. I don't think we'd have got this team. Luke McNicholas in goal for his Wrexham debut. Bryce Hosanna, the forgotten man at right wing back. Max Cluith in the middle of the back three with Jordan Tonicliffe and Will Boyle. Left wing back, Liam McAlinden. Midfield of Luke Young, Jordan Davis and... Oh, who am I missing here now in midfield? Uh, I should. I'm trying to test myself at the top of my Who head. Who did you say? So James uh, Jones, Davis. No, no, James Jones didn't start, did he? Luke Young, Jordan Davis, oh, and it was Andy Cannon. Cannon sorry, sorry yeah. of course, Andy Cannon. We just spoke the whole podcast section about. I can't even remember him. Andy Cannon, and then a front two of Jake Bickerstaff, someone people have been desperate to see more of, and I've sort of been gloating that I was right, and he should have gone out on loan. And Sam Dolby, who really needed a good performance, maybe didn't quite hit the heights that he needed to after a difficult start to the season, but. There's a couple of people I want to highlight because, firstly, it was a great display, albeit against a weakened crew team, but you can only beat who's in front of you. We built, we built it up, Rich. Jordan Davis, he needs 90, he needs a big display. He's knocking on the door, he's knocking on the door. What a display. What a goal, what a finish, what a celebration. I mean, he can't he can't do much more than that. No, I, you know, he's, he's responded as well because he's always had... I'm not going to, you know, he's always had a strong following, John Davis, for who he represents and, and what he is to us as Wrexham fans. You know, he's a local lad. He was exceptional two seasons ago. Last season, the injury problems, he struggled. Elliot Lee comes in, who's, you know, the white Pele. It's always going to be difficult for you to, to stake a claim. But Jordan, ever since he got that first moment this season, has just looked well up to it. He's looked revitalised. He's looked like he's got that hunger again. Scored a brilliant goal on the opening day, was it now, I think, was it in the defeat to MK Dons. Again, there was another little bit of a setback. He's come back again now, and what a headache it is to have. He offers so much more, I've said in the past, I think Elliot Lee is a more methodical playmaker, better at the link-up play, really good at keeping his composure in some moments. But Jordan Davis just has that directness that he always poses a goal threat, whether that's with his, you know, from outside the box, inside the box, with his head, with his feet. He has just got that box of tricks, really. He's got the set pieces and he just he just has that that hunger. He's almost got that like Ronaldo-esque just desire to always sort of make something happen, to drive forward, to have a shot at goal. They might not always come off, but I do think he's a really interesting and viable alternative of course, you've got to sort of take a step back and look at the opposition, look at the actual occasion. It was a very good goal. But for me, I think Elliot Lee, yeah. The Jude Bellingham celebration, just the arms outstretched. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. If I was good enough to score goals, I, I would like to... Actually, no. If I if I was a professional footballer, I would properly give it to the other fans every single time I scored oh, a goal. So would I. Every single time. I, w- I would do the Emmanuel Adebayor, where run over... Oh, yeah. I'd do that five nil away down. Fans. Yeah, I'd do it every, oh, every single week. Uh, um, you know. Without doubt. Without doubt. But yeah, I thought... But yeah, you're saying about taking... Because we actually had a question, Rich, on that, on that exact thought. Chris, thanks to Chris for his email. It is super long and detailed, so I can't read it all. But one of the many questions you sent us, Rich, said, would playing Lee and Davis together with George Evans 
work or would that leave us too top heavy and too exposed it's a funny one isn't it because it always has felt like it's an either or choice but actually are we underselling Jordan's talent ability to adapt to a role or or is it a, a you know a kind of we're spoilt for choice in that attacking midfield role I think there, there could be certain games that have to be basically home games in which you you expect to to dominate and you've got to score three or four goals that you could indulge both of them but there is almost there's also sort of a a philosophy in football if you like where having lots of attackers on the pitch doesn't mean you play more attacking football because you actually need to get to ball to them in the first place and whereas you might say having Davis and Lee both playing attack midfield is exciting and god it works on FIFA in reality who's winning the ball back and who's getting the ball to them where are you progressing midfielders where the turnovers who's doing the dirty work who's getting the ball forward the transitions I, I just think it's fanciful I do think it's more the, the way we're playing now if it's going to be this 3-5-2 it's one or the other if you're going to change formation you know we've, we've seen before games where sort of Lee's played as a striker or played off a striker you could do that again you know if there could be a game where you maybe not Mullen because he's not the hold-up man but you could have either Palmer or Fletcher on you could have Lee or Davis just behind them playing sort of the Gerard Fernando Torres role and then someone else behind that as well but for me I think it is you know I think there's very limited opportunities you'll do that. And for, for for us right now, I think what's been so good about this Wrexham team and this running results is that we've had that balance. We've got the play, people to do the dirty work. We've had defensive strength. And then we've got the quality, the people who can make things out of nothing in the final third. So for me, it still is Lee or Davis. And it's still Lee just ahead Davis, just because Jordan's not had the chance really, but also hasn't done it in a, a meaningful match. But he is knocking on the door. We can say that much, Rich. He is knocking on the door, as is Jordan Tunnicliffe, who came in and I thought did really well. I mean, credit Max as well. Middle of a back three, still so, so young. You know, incredible composure. One of the big talking points in the fan base on social media that I see every single week is, and we did a whole um, YouTube video on this or a part of a podcast a while ago on the striker debate. You know, where is the ranking? Has Jake Bickerstaff passed? Sam Dolby for you now because he doesn't seem to have fulfilled Parkinson but great assist for Jordan Davis by Bickerstaff he won the penalty that Young scored I mean he's not had many chances since Stephen Fletcher's arrival and he might not get many chances outside of the EFL trophy but it shows you he needs to play matches to keep improving and every time he plays he he makes an impact it, does he deserve a place on does he deserve Sam Dolby's place in the squad for the first team for me, he does. And I think it's about having, we've said before, I think we both agree on this. It's about having a striker offer something a bit different. I see, you know, Dolby was in the sort of the Palmer prototype and Palmer's been brilliant this season. So you're always going to be dealt a, a tough hand when Palmer's playing so well. You've got to be compared to him. You're not going to get as many chances. That's not worked well for Dolby. And he just looks like he's sort of found a ceiling. He's so young, though, isn't he? That's what you got to remember. He's still so raw and new to professional football. I do think he has the ability to be a football league striker. I'm just wondering if Wrexham's trajectory might move much quicker than his own. For me, on that bench, I want someone... Think of the circumstance in which you'll bring a striker onto the pitch. It's either going to be someone to come on who can hold up play and, you know, just stick the ball up there, which, you know, you've already got Palmer or Fletcher to do that. Or someone who can come on and get you a goal and be a menace in the box. We saw Dolby do that to an extent last season. But for me, Bickerstaff is a player with the confidence 
and with that trickery, with that unpredictability, with that uh, just the fantastic finishing ability that I just don't think Dolby has. And it always, it's very unfair to do this because I know when you think of Dolby, you think of Aldershot away, you think of Coventry away. But I also think the missed one-on-one against Sheffield United that would have won as the tie in the first leg. And I also think of Notts County when we do win 3-2, but he has a chance to make it 4-2 out of the death and he squanders that as well. And for me, the difference between a good striker and a great striker is someone who, in those dying moments of matches, is still as lethal and as ruthless as they would be on the hour mark or whatever. And for me, I just think Dolby, he's a fantastic player. He's got the right work rate and right work ethic, but it's not going to suit him, this supplementary role, again, for a full season that much because I think he is at the age where he needs to be playing. Same as Bickerstaff, but I think Bickerstaff's skill set is better suited to what we need right now of an impact striker. Quick plug, the, the man who Sam Dolby replaced at Wrexham, Mr. Jake Hyde, he will be the featured episode next week, won't he, Rich, uh, ahead of um, the Bradford game. So that is a Belton episode. There's loads of great insight on Ben Toza's terrible dress sense, what it's like to train with Paul Mullin, his exit, the behind-closed-doors game against Manchester United, um lo- there's honestly there's loads of great little anecdotes in there so stay tuned for that one next week um i guess a couple more quick fire thing rich on on crew because I, I mean i was really impressed by luke mcnicholas i thought he had glue on his hands you know everything that came to me caught and i tell you what if we go forward next season and, and rob Lainton, i think he's out of contract in 2024 mark howard also out of contract if we go forward and it's a one and two of luke mcnicholas and arthur conquo and maybe that would be unfair because they both deserve to be number ones God, I'd be, I'd be very, 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 I'd be a very happy man if those were our two goalkeepers going forward. And before you jump in, Tunnicliffe, I think, is right there knocking on the door of the first team now. I think he looked colossus again. And I think Luke Young shock. I think Luke Young sent a reminder that, you know, he was brilliant, scored the penalty, um, played very well in the midfield. I thought really did the dirty work that you mentioned before. And also Bryce Hosanna, you know, not easy for him to come in. He's barely, barely kicked a football outside of training um, for a long time and thought he didn't really skip a beat. He, he, he really put in a shift and was the better of the two wing-backs. And that's, you know, not to disparage McAlinden too much, but Bryce, I think it might not be the end, not being left out. It, you know, his football career could still have plenty of green shoots of life. Yeah. Uh, and he showed that last night. Yeah, it's so frustrating, isn't it, as well, that... You always think of what ifs in football and Bryce being unable to play in the Football League came at a time when we had this fullback crisis. Uh, we had, he's a wing back can play on either flank and we had no wing backs available. You know, you do think that, you know, if, if Bryce had been registered, probably would have been him starting at Mansfield instead of Mendy, probably would have been him starting at Crawley, you know, and things can, can be so different then. So yeah, I just hope that he just keeps up at it, stays strong, keeps positive because he's a very talented footballer and I think he will go on to have a good career somewhere. Same as you. McNicholas, I agree. I thought he was good. Again, my caveat would be the match he was playing in. I need to see him in a, a more meaningful game. Maybe, depending on who we get in the FA Cup, could could give him a chance in that. I, I, I'd like to, to see that. But obviously, you've got Howard there as well. Um, Luke Young, you know, I, I agree with you on that. I think Luke Young, as well, the fact that he is club captain, to be pl- starting the game, it was crew. It isn't a ring endor- endorsement in the manager's faith in you at times because it means you, you are very much second string. But Luke Young approached it like it was still, you know, an FA Cup final or whatever. 
He just he's got out there and just did did his job because that's what Luke Young does. He gives you the same reliability every single week. And Tunner Cliff as well. Is the stat still that he's only lost one Wrexham game that he started? And that was was that the cup game? Was it? I can't quite remember. It, well, that was that's a good question. I mean, it was that for a while. He's he's barely lost a game for yeah. us. He's lost no more than one, I'm one pretty, or two. Yeah, I'm not sure if he played in the ones this season when we lost or not. I mean, I mean, I probably just completely made up a false he, stat there. No, but... no, 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 no. So he hadn't. So the first time he was in the squad, I think, was Crawley. Rich. He he hadn't been in the league squads for yeah uh, the beginning of the season. So yeah, so I think he the, wasn't in any of those. Wrexham only have lost one game in which uh, Wrexham only lost one game in which Turncliffe has started, and that was Halifax away last season. So you know, this is a player who is as good as anyone, and his track record speaks for it. Interesting to see what we do going forward because for the first time ever, I am starting to think there probably is argument to say Wrexham's back, back, best back three doesn't have Ben Tozer in it anymore. On that bombshell, let's take a quick break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, we're back from the little mini ad break there, Rich. We've got a lot. I mean, I've just got the notification that international football is back at the race course. Uh, no Paul Mullin, though. He didn't end up making the call up. But the news of the week um, has to be the new deal for James Jones. We got a, a little push from some people on Twitter about what are the contract situations. He was out of contract in 2024. So firstly, congratulations to James Jones and his family for the new deal. He will be staying at Wrexham until the end of the 2024 25 season he's obviously delighted I thought very quickly for a couple of minutes we could talk about our favorite James Jones moments or things that have stood out in his time at the club because he come in with I would say without much fanfare I didn't know much about him I don't know about you Rich when he came in I hadn't really heard much about him or, or known a lot about his game his energy I don't think he stopped running for one and he scored some he's finished off some unbelievable moves maybe the most complete Wrexham goal since the takeover yeah, the goal against Alti is arguably my favourite Wrexham goal last season just for the way it was crafted. I know it's not as beautiful as a wonder strike or Mullen's promotion winning goals, but there's just something so pure about it. I'd also say, all, for me, it rings back to that first game after... Lock, would it have been the first game after lockdown? When we had Notts County at home, the one-all draw. The first, first home game. James yeah. Jones, you know, we go to the race course not knowing what to expect. This is the new branded Wrexham. We've got LED pitch advertising boards. We've got TikTok on our shirt. We think we're the business. We've got this new star striker, Paul Mullen. I hadn't been to any of the preseason games. We're almost different from head to toe. The whole feels different. No one's in the tech end because it's not open yet. And then James Jones scores a wonder goal that is wrongly ruled out for offside. I'm still adamant to this day that that should have been an official goal. That was Jake the first Hyde, time... Rich. J- Jake Hyde says the exact same. He is adamant that that was onside. Uh, yeah. It was him who, who, who got the assist for that. So he will talk about that next week. But yeah, 
I remember I wrote a piece at the time and Rob McElhinney said he, he ruined a take of Sonny. Now, obviously, the new series of Always Sunny is out. And he said one of those scenes, I didn't specify which one, he said was ruined because he jumped up to celebrate James Jones's goal and then it was obviously ruled out for offside. Yeah, it was just, it was brilliant. And, you know, I think he's been a fantastic servant for the club since he's been there. And I, I think I saw read the stat that since Parkinson's been in charge, only Ben Tozer has played more games for Wrexham than James Jones. Uh, you know, we've said it before and it always comes down to our Luke Young, James Jones debate. But... I think they're both so reliable and for different purposes. I think, you know, James Jones isn't going to maybe control the game all the time and he's maybe sometimes a bit erratic in possession. But he he does play a valuable role. You need one of those two in there. And again, for me, to take it full circle, that comes back to the Davis and Lee debate. That's why, for me, you can't have both of them because you need your James Jones. You need your Luke Young. You need someone who's unglamorous, who's not not always getting the, the limelight to, to do that stuff. And for me, I think that ultimately as well, where, wherever you stand on the debate now, Luke yeah, Luke Young, for me, it feels like his time is coming to an end at Wrexham. I just think that's the way it's going because, you know, he's been here for a long time. He deserves to be playing every single week. We can't offer him that. And I think long-term, James Jones will almost become that new, that new guy permanently in midfield who is just your Rich. sort of unsung hero. Rich, to say this, they were the two guys that were both out of contract in 2024. Now, it, it, you know, they both they may both sign on. Luke Young may yet get a new deal. What we do know is James Jones has a deal, yeah. inked, signed, dried. Um, and, and so if you're Luke Young and you're looking at that, that must be frustrating because you'll want to stay at Wrexham. Um, he very much will have a career, whether it's with us or somewhere else. He's a fabulous player. You know my feelings. I don't need to. If you've listened to every one of these, you know if how you've much I love to Luke even Young. Even one of these. If you've listened to one second of any of these podcasts, you know how much I absolutely love Luke Young. And whenever he does leave the club, I very much hope he'll come on here and chat about his incredible Wrexham career. Uh, and I was so glad that he got to lift the tart takers up. But what I'm saying is, him and James Jones are both out of contract in 2024, and so it's inevitable that now James Jones has inked, dried his contract. You know he is still going to be part of the furniture. Is Luke Young? We don't know. Um, but it does feel, it does feel like internally they they just see James Jones as the one who will maybe take that next step, and maybe if it is League Two for Luke Young, it could maybe be League One for James Jones, and I, and dare I say that might be James Jones's ceiling. You know that might be where he where he goes, and so be it. And 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 every player is going to have that ceiling. You're talking about Toza. We'll get into him in the weeks to come, and there'll be plenty of others, Rich, that go on, and you know we'll hope that. A Mendy or a Davis or a Bickerstaff or someone like that can go all the way with you, but it, it's very rarely the case. You know, it's very rarely often the case. So, um, so James Jones' favorite moment. Then I'm going to go um, with his was it his scuffed finish just to get us going against Sheffield United at home. Yes, I'd also to say lift the roof off. For do you want to know who mine was? I've already mentioned it on the pod. I thought it was Alti. Well, no, I've I've changed it to. I can change it to my podcast. Well, our podcast. We can do what we want. Um, it's your podcast. Bromley yeah, at home last on. season. The one, right. the, the game. After, that was after the FA Cup run. After where Coventry, right? Yeah, where we're knackered. Yeah, yeah, where we're knackered. It's a massive game on TV. We have to win to keep the momentum up. We play pretty poorly. And then James Jones gets that goal. The rest is history. So, yeah, fair play to you, JJ. And, yeah, great to see you sticking around. Right then, let's just move it on to Salford. Because Salford at the weekend, got great memories, Rich, from Boxing Day, beating them 5-1. Graham Alexander was in charge then. 
on that Boxing Day. I decided to speak to One Up Front, which is a Salford City podcast. I decided to speak to their host, Danny, about how things are going at Salford. Because if you remember, I said that I went to watch Salford against Notts County and they were terrible. They were on a horrendous run. They've turned it around in recent weeks, starting with a win against Newport. And and look, they've changed formation. Things have picked up for Neil Wood. He was booed off when I was there. It doesn't look like he's being booed off right now. And here's what uh, the One Up podcast had to tell me about how things are going at Salford. Right, so looking ahead to the weekend, Salford City. Now, I mentioned it on the podcast recently when I was making the move, living up in Manchester for a bit. I thought I'd go along and watch Salford City on a on a rare Friday night game. They're playing Notts County, our old foes. And I came away thoroughly unimpressed with Salford. I said to Rich, you know, they are ripe for the picking, basically. They are nowhere near. Even Neil Wood said afterwards to me and a few other journalists that they'd gone backwards. But I thought, who better to fill us in on Salford? And I'm, you know, not a one-game expert, but the One Up Front podcast covering all things Salford City, Danny, who runs the One Up Front podcast. Danny, thanks for coming on. Firstly... Firstly, are they as bad as I'm making out from 190 minutes? They were as bad as the, the, the operative word being were. We we are we're looking better. Forget the fact that we're out of the Yale Trophy to all intents and purposes. We got hammered the other night. Two, two sets of kids going against each other. But in terms of our form and I would say a bit of a new formation, then. I'm feeling positive and I've not felt positive for nearly two months. So when I watched you, it was ex-Rexham defender Theo Vassell at right back. You had ex-Rexham defender Curtis Tilt in at centre-back. It looked like an isolated... Matt Smith looked pretty isolated up top. Neil Wood, I mean, people sat in front of the press box were booing him. And anyone who's not been to the Peninsula Stadium, it's not the biggest stadium in the world. And that's not a knock more to say that he, he could very well hear the boos as he, as he went off. Callum Hendry went off with an injury. And he looked like he was almost in tears, Callum Henry, when he went off. What what's changed since then? What 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 do you mean? What formation? What what's happened? Um, number one, um, it sounds like an excuse, and I don't mean it to come across that way. But the injury crisis is slightly working itself. Out, that that wrinkles coming back, and we've getting a few players um, in the right positions. As you said, we, we were we had makeshift teams for three to four weeks. Were we were playing centre-halves at right-back. We were playing wingers as central midfielders. And I think now he's rejigged to what I can see as some form of 4-3-3. And we just look better um, building up from back to front rather than just hoiking it up to Matt Smith, which is probably what you saw. Yeah, I mean, that is exactly what I saw. Uh, and David McGoldrick in particularly... Dan Crowley, I think it was, who just had a field day. And, uh, oh, he, you know, was and he, he was amazing. Uh, he was. And any Wrexham fan listening, I would say that he, of all the players I've seen so far, I really like Dan Kemp at Swindon. Jake Young obviously scored a lot of goals. But yeah, Dan Crowley at, at Notts County, and we'll see him at the end of this month, looks looks the business. But on, on Salford, um, I guess we've got to start with, with some of the ex-Wrexham. Curtis Tilt, you know, he was a long time before the takeover. What's the mood on, on Curtis Tilt? Um, very up and down. I mean, there's been a lot of, I've talked to um, a fellow who runs the Morecambe podcast and he was saying that the, he believes that Curtis is, because of his knowledge, he thinks that Curtis is going to be the best, uh, one of the best centre-backs in this division. And 
some games he looks like that and other times he looks like a bit of a lazy bully who just likes throwing his weight around so I've not decided yet. He's he's up, down, and, and all and all around. To be fair, and and Theo Vassell. I mean, he's a, mad as a box of frogs, according to ex players that that work with him. But it, I tell you what, even even at right back when he was massively out of his depth, I thought he he does put a shift in. He does try. I don't think he ever cheats the game. He was our rock last season in terms of. I think he probably got one of the highest number of appearances. He's got a bit of an injury at the moment, but. He has fallen out of favour. I think his partnership with Till wasn't working, so they, they, they basically said, let's go with the pedigree from Till. Um, but one thing I'll give Theo credit for is that I think Neil Wood has improved Theo's ability on the ball. Um, if he was worse on the ball with, with yourselves than he was when he came to us, then he must have been horrible because he, he was like a hot potato when he was when he was younger. Well, you know, it's, there's you've had a lot of churner managers over the years and Gary Neville part of the uh, you know, class of 92 ownership and all that sort of stuff, a lot of headlines. But Graham Alexander, who has already beaten us this season, um, you know, I used to cover Salford. I went to Salford University. I used to cover Salford back in the days when they were playing Clitheroe and, and all that. And it wasn't very glamorous then. I tell you, it wasn't many people go in no. there in those days. Your Droylstons, your Ashton United, those kind of games. Ratcliffe Borough, maybe. Yeah, ex- possibly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, so you've had mm-hmm. lots of managers over the years. Where are you... What's the fan base's mood and what's your mood on Neil Wood? I liked him a lot more um, last season than this season because he's probably had his longest poor spell than than he's since he's joined us. And I felt sorry for him because of the injury crisis. Um, I felt it probably would have been justified potentially to get rid of him if we would have um, lost against Newport. But thankfully... We didn't, and I do think he's got a new formation that may cause you a few problems because last three games we've looked better. What is what is that, and and why do you think that? What is that formation? What did? Why do you think it can cause Wrexham so many problems? It alternates between um, kind of a four-three-three and a four-four-two for me, Um, but it just means that we have more players in the centre that are able to. To stop the opposition playing and also to to really help us with the build-up play because we have our right-back who's able to kind of channel into midfield. So at times we'll have five in that midfield um, and it just gives us more ability to play the kind of possession football that Neil would actually want. It's it's remarkable actually looking at your results because a lot of people have seen on the TV that penalty shootout win over Leeds, you know, great night for for Salford and the fans. And then you go lose to Morecambe, losing the EFL Trophy to Bolton, lose against Walsall, lose against Notts County, lose against Harrogate, lose against Burnley, and you're thinking, this is, like you say, Neil Wood, Neil Wood is on the block. Next minute, you beat Newport, you beat Sutton, you beat Crewe, and I forget the EFL trophy against Stockport, like you say, two sets of kids, but suddenly you've won three. Crewe are a decent team, they're above us, I think one place above us at the minute in the table, and suddenly the, the mood's drastically different, isn't it? It's get it's just getting incrementally better. The 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 first game or two though, the Newport and Sutton, it's kind of like they could have gone either way. And to be honest, I'd say that was similar um for the crew game because there was a massive decision uh, that the referee probably got wrong. He disallowed a goal at one end, we went up the other end and scored after a very quick restart, and crew were able to recover and crew's manager got sent off. So that there was there was a big incident in that game, but we actually played well. And I was proud of our performance start to finish, which I've not said very often this season. Under the, the takeover, the Robin Ryan takeover, had loads of great games. And this week we've already spoke about the um, 
the Sheffield United and the Coventry games, which were in this week's episode of the documentary. But pre-takeover, it was always, people would always go to, if they're old enough, they'd say Arsenal in the cup. But of the more recent fan, they would always say beating Salford. Beating Salford on Boxing Day was was the one that was, you know, proper rip-roaring occasion. So, you know, I know that there's not many probably survivors from that team, if any, I haven't checked. But, you know, it, it, it should be a cracker, shouldn't it, on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, um, I, th- I think we're, compared to our normal away following, we're taking, I think, at least double the amount of coaches. So so we're, we're, we're up for it. Um, because I don't think we're the biggest um, team followed at home, never mind away, but we're making a special effort because we all want to see what the crack is at Wrexham at the moment. Yeah, well, that, you, you, you're not alone in that. Wrexham seem to get sold out shows wherever they go at the minute. Everyone wants to come out and uh, spoil the party. What what I'm really interested in, because like I say, I've, I've always had one sort of eye on on Salford um, and, uh, you know, the players that have come and gone and, you know, Adam Rooney and, and Salford were always accused of splashing the cash and they are the money bags of the league. And that's what's been labelled against Wrexham since, really. What I've always wondered is, has the money somewhat dried, not dried up, but is, have the reins been pulled back in a bit, tightened, the purse strings tightened a bit at Salford? Without, we don't get much direct communication on that. Um, so we have to make our own mind up. And when the injury crisis um, happened, say like eight first teamers out, and all we were bringing in was the odd loan player, we, we've made our own minds up that we're almost probably going, trying to go to a more sustainable model or trying to um, stop the rot with the losses that are apparently mounting up in the, you know, maybe tens of millions. So I do think um, it's our fifth season now in, in this division. We, we, we wanted to rock it through and it's not happened. So... Maybe they're trying to look for a different way to get more juice out of the out of the onion. But um, orange. <laughs> not out of the onion, but uh, <laughs> onion. Yeah, that's probably where you've been going wrong for five seasons trying to get out of the yeah. onion. It it does feel though, you know, as as a sports writer, it do, when I watch, look watch it and look at that situation, it does feel like the not the reckless abandonment of the money, but you know the the kind of dropping huge wage on Adam Rooney. It seems like they're trying to be a bit cuter about it these days because they've had a go, they've had a go. It hasn't worked. Got to the playoffs last season. But even Neil Wood said to me, he said, we've taken a step backwards now. And maybe that is going to happen with a more sustainable type signing model, you know. It's a difficult one because I would say from the time I've been watching Salford that um, of the... I think I think he's probably the least likely manager to play young fringe academy players. Um, maybe because of the way the team's been structured and the squad, but possibly in the future, Kelly and Mai's just broken. He's basically our left wide forward. We played a lot of the academy lads um, or the B team, I should say, on Tuesday night. So things might be turning around because we used to sign players on what they had done, not what they were likely to do. We we signed on, you know. Um, a 29-year-old who played in the division above. And it never tended to work out. They came as like a retirement home exercise at our place. And I think now our profile of signing players, like Elliot Watt, is a perfect example. He'd played two seasons, but he wasn't ripping up trees at Bradford. We've got him. And he's probably one of the most renowned players in the league now. So we've done, we've done all right without signing, at least. Yeah, well, before I was just about to get on him, but I mean, it's somewhat ironic that you're saying Neil Wood doesn't really want to play youngsters when he was the <laughs> under-21s manager at United or whatever it was. So, Go you figure. know, the, the irony of that, <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll let that hang in the air. But Elliot Watt against Elliot Lee, that'll be one of the midfield battles that, that'll be so intriguing to see. We think we've got the, arguably the most creative midfielder in, in the EFL in Elliot Lee. Every team's going to say they've got the guy. Elliot Watt does feel like Salford's guy, though. He feels like he is the... Because he he didn't play, he came on very late when I watched, 
and it was too late to salvage it then. Um, but but anyone I was speaking to that night said he's he's special. He's 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 a real talent. He is, and uh, you saw him. I would say it was an ill-advised substitution. I think the game had gone. I don't know why we brought him on then. Thankfully, he didn't get re-injured because he was just coming back from injury. Um, he was very, very rusty for the game or two afterwards. I remember at Harrogate, um, I felt that his legs were on the wrong way around. He just he couldn't hit a pass straight. Um, and now he's looking fluid again. He's passing his crisp and sharp. And I was looking at the stats. Um, I was really surprised how many goals Elliot Lee's got this season. It's how he's doing that from if he's genuinely playing in midfield and he's not kind of a wide forward then fair play to him yeah well this player as well we've got a couple more and then we'll wrap it up but mainly because he's Welsh but also because he's like freakishly tall I couldn't get over the torso to leg ratio on Marcus Dacus I mean he is about 75% leg and then, I mean he hasn't got a, I'm exaggerating for comedic effect but he is absolutely huge I think he's about he must be at least 6 foot 5 6 foot 6 6 foot 7 something like that I've heard 6 7 yeah only because of a match report from yesterday but I think it's because of all that time sitting on our bench it, it, I think that's what it is it, I, it's you know what I hope he comes on now against Wrexham at some stage just so people can see him because we've got Arthur Oconqua in goal who's a big really one of the tallest keepers I've seen in a while but outfield he Marcus Dacas is I mean, he's huge, isn't he? He just is so gangly. He's And it's funny, though, because he's not good at the traditionally... He's almost like a Peter Crouch. He's not a traditional big man. He's quite slender, so he's not got a great physical presence. I've never seen him do that well with his head. But from the first pre-season game I saw a year or two ago, he's good with his feet. He's a good link-up player, and he's got a really, really clean strike on him. So... But Neil Wood, it seems, doesn't fancy him. Um, he's loaned him out quite a few times and he's never really played him anything other than like a one or two game stretch. So you'd be lucky to see him, I think. Right, and the final two then. So one, he was linked with us consistently. Whether, you know, we believe there was some interest in him. It ended up cooling because we went and got James McLean. But Declan John, that's probably one of the marquee arrivals in League Two. Really good player. Obviously, Wales links as well. What, what's been the initial verdict on Declan John? Um, we like him. We can tell he's played at a higher level. Um, I hope, I mean, it depends if you look into his history with the tweets at Bolton about being left out and kind of upsetting the dressing room. Um, and apparently there wasn't a lot of interest around deadline day for that precise reason. So we, we were desperate at that position because of injury. We like him and he's actually um, better than Luke Garber who we signed in the off-season. So I'm pleased he's here. And then finally, what what's your... Yeah belief for Salford this season because for Wrexham it's playoffs it's top three it's what you what you'd have thought when you come into the football league you know you can go all the way go straight through has there been a recalibration at Salford of right we're not going to go down but we're also not probably going to pull up any trees where, where do you sit we haven't recalibrated from potentially going down yet because we, we were initially thinking we'll take a step up from playoff semi-final last year which was which was nice um, terrible start and now we're thinking higher mid table, maybe a slight smell in the, the outside of the playoffs if, if we do if we do quite well, and if we do amazingly well, uh, maybe towards the top of the playoffs end. But I, I don't I don't think that's possible. It just it, I can't I can't feel it yet. No, Matt Smith feels like you'll always have a chance because he'll score a hell of a lot of goals, so you won't go down with Matt Smith in the team. But but Wrexham at the weekend, free hit for you. I mean, I, I hate that phrase because everyone says it when they come to Wrexham. But any hope that you can upset the apple cart a bit? Yeah, because I think I think the thing we were missing, apart from um, the injured bodies, was confidence, and we've got that a bit now. Because literally all the first team weren't 
a few of them were at the ground in the stands, but none of them were on the pitch uh, getting beaten by Stockport. So none of them will have taken a confidence hit. So I think we've got we've got a puncher's chance. So there you go, Rich. They feel like there's belief, there's confidence that they can go to Wrexham and get a result. And almost that makes it a better game because you, you feel like they, they're going to come there, have a go, believe that they can hurt Wrexham. We're not as defensively fragile as we have been. You know, three clean sheets deserve to give us confidence. And I don't know, There's just it's just one of those games where they've been accused of being money bags over the years. We're now supposedly the money bags. I don't know what it is about Salford. I just really want to do them. And yeah. do them handsomely. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what it is that they've got. There's no reason for me to be like that. There is like for I me. There, I mean, I've covered them. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna sort of lift the lid on our our history as as football reporters, you can go back to my first few months at the Manchester Evening News when Wrexham played Salford City on Boxing Day, and we absolutely destroyed them. We won five one. It should have been five nil. Rooney's goal late in stoppage time was heavily deflected. We should have won five nil. Could have been more. We we absolutely pulverized them, and they were the bad guys then. And we're the bad guys now because they had a lot of money. And you know, fair play to them. We had more history. We have more history. That's maybe the, the difference there. But Salford City sent out a quite gentile tweet on New Year's Eve to their few fans. And um, the, the, the tweet was something like, what was your favourite Salford City moment of the year? What was your favourite match? What was your favourite goal? And working for the Manchester Evening News, who were doing a lot of Salford City stuff at the time, I made the slight mistake of quote-tweeting it and saying, match of the year, Wrexham 5, Salford 1. Goal of the year, Ben Tollett against Salford. And moment of the year was... All your, all, I think I used the word tin pot, which I do regret to this day. All plastic. I can't remember which word I used. Which, you know, I was being very baity. I basically said, all your fans leaving after 70 minutes because we just absolutely tonked them. And within about 10 minutes, Salford City phoned the Manchester Evening News up and threatened to ban us from ever reporting on Salford City again because one of their journalists had, to be honest... Yeah, I was juvenile. I was young. What is this? Six years ago, um, one of their journalists had been very disparaging to them on social media. They had the last laugh because what? One day later, two days later, they beat us at the Peninsula Stadium anyway, and we were absolutely atrocious. But hey, look, I... so you've got into a row with Halifax over the food. They Halli... accused you of being a liar, and Hartley Paul Salford... United once quote tweeted me because I said that when they beat us, I basically did a Craig Bellamy, and I said. Fair play to... I basically said that was two very poor football teams and the the slightly less worse one won or something. And Hartlepool United's official account quote tweeted me and was like, this guy's got no clue. We don't understand. Show some respect or whatever. All I'm going to say is, who's in the National League now? We've got to be magnanimous yeah, yeah, though. We've yeah. got to be nice. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not made out for being a nice guy on the podcast sometimes. You are, because... you are basically... You're basically our Twitter troll. You just love I causing uh, chaos. But there you go. So we've got Salford this weekend. Snap predictions, I'm going to go as a win. I'm going to go 3-0 Wrexham. Yeah, I think it'd be one of those games sort of similar to like the Grimsby game for us. I think, yeah, 2-3-0. So, Rich, uh, we'll touch on it very, very quickly then uh, after we've given ourselves predictions there. So, the women, you know, sort of back down to earth. I say back down to earth. I mean, they lost to Cardiff City at home at the Rock. I mean, Cardiff were champions last season. And apart from 
one helmet brother of Theon Price who scored, who was went down the Billy Sharp, shoved that new documentary, which was completely and utterly pointless. Um, apart from him being an absolute melon on social media, it was a good test for the women because I think, look, Wrexham's ambition is top four and Steve Dale and, and co have made it, Gemma and co have made a really good start. And I think that is firmly achievable in their grasp. You know, Wrexham were top going into that game. Cardiff, I think, showed their class and experience. Rianne Oakley for them. If anyone who watched it, I thought she was brilliant. Fionn Price was really good. And they've lost key players in strength. But, you know, in a week where it was all about Wrexham on the documentary, wasn't it? It was all about the women's team, Rosie Hughes and Lily Jones and Amber Lightfoot and all these players. I think it was a realisation that, all right, it's been going amazing, but there are levels to it and yeah. we've got some way to go. Yeah, of course. And I think that's 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 no bad thing at all. I mean, it shows, in a way, it's a good reality check for our, our ladies to see, you know, this is what you've still got to do. You know, this is the the levels you have to be at to be the very best in this league. And Ricks and women are a completely different side to what they were even last year. You know, they, they, they've changed so much recently with the personnel and just the just the improvement in standards everywhere. And hopefully that continues to happen. Yeah, you know, it's to get promoted and then think you're going to maybe win the league straight away is, is is fanciful. But it also is sort of a personification of the takeover that we we believe that's doable. You know, that which sounds crazy. Wrexham just got promoted, rebuilt the squad again, and feel like it's disappointing to lose at home to Cardiff City. Like, take a step back for a second. They are doing abs- they're doing absolutely 100%. fine. Like, like you said there, I do think that they've got enough quality to beat the smaller teams in the league and hopefully get in, in, in the top four. And there's building blocks from there. It's about getting that priceless experience. It's still such a new experience for some of those players in the squad. And, you know, it's going to be learning curves all the way. But what top I also like... Un- Rich, top yeah. four would be unbelievable. Exactly, and that's like, the whole point. When, like, you know what I mean? That would be unbelievable survive. At the end of It should season. be to survive. That should be what any pro team looks to do. But Wrexham's ambitions already like... Can we challenge for the title? Why not? We're Wrexham. And that's the new Wrexham belief. That's the whole new mindset of Wrexham. And, you know, that that is what's so exciting and encouraging. And like I'd say, the flip side as well, I kind of like that Wrexham women are as hated as Wrexham men and that they are the yeah, scout I love it. and that people want to beat them and they want to be like, shove your documentary up your ass. And, you know, that is a privilege. The pressure is such a privilege for Wrexham across all disciplines and bring it on. Bring it on. Come on, Hartlepool. Come on, Halifax. Come on, Salford. Come on, Cardiff City. We'll take you all on. We'll take you all on. So, so Rex and women, we'll end on this. They've got, we'll end on this before we talk about the dock. Um, they have got a cup game this week. I think that is being streamed against Portelli. And then uh, the weekend after, which we'll talk about, uh, they're playing Aberystwyth Town. And then to end out the month, they are playing TNS. So there are two games there, Rich. Uh, you know, Aberystwyth, I believe, are... Where are they? They're second in the table behind Cardiff and TNS a third, Wrexham are fourth. So there's some good tests to come, you know, to see whereabouts to Wrexham fall. You know, was Cardiff a one-off? You know, Aberystwyth on the road, TNS at home. So we shall see. Finally then, Rich, welcome to Wrexham. I absolutely loved this episode. Best one banging on about a more... I don't know, because I'm still going to ride with the women's team as a full episode because I just just thought that was really good I learned so much about those players and Lily Jones in Pantarokan and her dad and I thought that was the most complete episode but if you wanted me to give you one scene in the entire documentary series across either season the best scene I've seen in any of those is Ryan Reynolds 
in the dressing room after after Sheffield United at home, after we concede that 95th minute equaliser, whatever it was, 96th minute equaliser, that was something special. That was something we'd never seen before. Totally was sacrosanct to the players until now. Wow, I was moved because he said, look, he was choked up as he was talking and he was like, what you've given me and everyone out there at that game today, you'll feel like you you, you got it. You, you, you feel like you've lost it, you know, in, in the last minute. But what you've given is a memory that no one will ever be able to take away. And he said, what you've given my daughter being here is just something I cannot describe. He said, something is blowing through this town and energy and and nobody says anything after that. There's no clapping. There's no. They just take it in, and you see him ringing Rob at the end. And it it was a lot more of that. You know, we asked for dressing room stuff, didn't we? We were saying, give us a bit more of that because for us, that's what we want. We know so much about it in the dressing room before we played Coventry. Great, Parky's enthusiasm off the charts. Steve Parkin, let's get into him. Let's give him a bleeping game. You know, it is just. Top class, and and even coming off, you know, at the end against Sheffield United in the first game, Toza ranting and raving. It's his voice saying, "You know, lads, we had a corner there. We've got to be picking up. That's 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 crap. That's rubbish." And all areas that we never saw after beating Coventry, the the Zoom call between Humphrey and Sean in the director's box, Rob in his house, Ryan in his house, just genuinely, I was beaming from ear to ear as I watched it. You can feel the enthusiasm I had for it as I watched it. And and when Ryan gave that speech, I was emotional because I was just thinking, what a ride that was in the FA Cup. You know, they mentioned, Rich, about Arsenal. We said at the beginning of the podcast, Arsenal. They mentioned Middlesbrough. They mentioned, you know, various other games, West Ham and, and Birmingham and other games. That was a special run last season. I don't care how old I don't care how old you are, how young you are. That was something special. I was there with you at Coventry. I'll never forget that. We were there at Bramble Lane. I know we lost. I'll never forget that. So the only thing that... Get, nine out of ten for me, the only thing... Where's the footage gone? Did you lose it, guys, producers? Where did the footage go from the tunnel route, Billy Sharp? I was waiting months and months. It never appeared, but you know what? I wouldn't hold it against you. It was very, very good. Yeah, I was also expecting them to give uh, Rai Rai, McElhenney and Rai. And, uh... and why can they play us out on that? That was the main positive from <laughs> Sheffield United away last season. And, you know, yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it? And touch wood, hopefully our last ever FA Cup run as a non-league team. You know, it was very special. Go out on a high. Being a Wrexham fan, and it never quite works this way, but watching it, I was like, if we would have beat Sheffield United, we got Tottenham at home. They were going through a crisis at the time. We would have beat Tottenham at home, obviously, because we would have. Then it would have been, was it Blackburn they had in the quarterfinals? Bla- uh, Blackburn at home. Was it Blackburn? I think yeah, it was. And then Man City, yeah, and then yeah. Man City. We would have the beaten them. So we were one. That, if we would have defended that corner, we would have lost to Man City about 25 0 in the semi final. What a memory that oh. would have been. But, you know, like you said, Nath, I think this week's episode, it just had everything and it had something for everyone. We've talked about what you need maybe as a newer fan. Rob and Ryan are often the gateway. It's got the personal sort of side to it because you see the raw, the rawness and how much it means. You see how much it means to the people, the whole community, the whole region. And then you've got the football stuff. You've got something for absolutely everyone. And that is what makes, you know, we've been critical of Welcome to Wrexham Season 2 because it started a bit slow and it's a bit wishy-washy. The last two episodes have been as good as it has been or as good as any sort of sports documentary or docuseries will ever get for me. And I know we're going to be biased as Wrexham fans, but I think it's been absolutely brilliant. And that is also 
as Ryan said, that now as a package, that is something for us to look back on and watch every single year and be so proud of what happened. And you, you mentioned it there. What strikes me is we saw it on season one when after the FA Trophy final, Robin Ryan didn't know what to say in the dressing room after we lost to Bromley. And it was a bit awkward because the players didn't want them to be sort of giving them pats on the back. And you try your best, guys. They didn't want that sort of Americanism, the North Americanism of everything's okay, there's positivity, we go again. They didn't want that right then. But Ryan's words after losing, after what felt like a loss by with the late draw, that sums it up. And it, again, they go above and beyond Robin Ryan because yes, they might be amazing actors, but actors learn their lines and it's premeditated, it's rehearsed. That's straight from the heart. That is exactly what you need to hear. And we're so lucky that we have owners who get it because I think you've also seen that through Welcome to Wrexham. The journey Rob and Ryan have been on where they entered and they admitted they don't have the deep football knowledge, but Ryan's summary, you know, said it better than anyone else could. Oh, it, it was. And I, I, I'm going to have to edit this podcast together and then I want to rewatch it about 10 times over because it was just not just that scene, but Steve Parkin. I mean, what an assistant manager swears like a sailor, but he just is class. He is he, exactly what you need. Parkinson knows when to speak, knows when not to speak. It just, oh, it really, Rich, it was just for me, if that is the most football we're going to get in one episode, thank you to the to the producers and, and those that pulled it together. It was a fabulous episode. Rye, Rye, McElhenney and Rye might, might not have made the cut, but honestly, what Ryan said at the end was exactly what every Wrexham fan was thinking when it when all was said and done when we walked out of Bramall Lane Rich and we'd taken Sheffield United and we'd made them look like idiots basically we, they'd made fools of themselves and Parkinson even says they've embarrassed themselves and you've done that you've done that not little old Rex we didn't go that far but he said look you've done that you've taken this team that's going to go to the championship they got a, a wage but eight times our size you've got fans on absolute strings Billy Waters uh who Rob McLean said was li- yeah. living in our head rent free, you know, living in the, so we were living in his head rent free. It just, it was, it, and as Sean Harvey said, I think on it, it put it showed to people that Wrexham isn't some like mercenary retirement home. They're going to give it a good go, and they're yeah. really going to go for it, and they're really going to commit. And and you know what, like Elliot Lee said, we're good, and we deserve to beat Coventry, and we deserve to beat Sheffield United, and and one went and one didn't, and and that's football. Yeah, I need Ryan Reynolds to give me that sort of pep talk after I sent that tweet a few weeks ago, didn't I? <laughs> Having them on strings, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. And long may it continue. And yeah, bring on Sol for this. I was about to make a very mean comment then saying, speaking of a retirement home for mercenaries, bring on Salford City this weekend. But uh, maybe we'll bleep that one out as well. Um, yeah, it's all tongue-in-cheek. It's all good fun. You know, it's going to be great. And we'll be here every step of the way for the rest of the season. Nafe, thank you very much for joining me this week and thank you for doing the Salford chat that is admin but thank you for sorting that because sometimes we can't both get onto the do these records so I do really appreciate that no problem I'm off to finish off this bag of Haribo Fantasia which in all fairness I've had a couple during this podcast they haven't sounded very fun six out of ten I should I should I should have stuck with what I knew but six out of ten Thank you very much, as always, to you for listening wherever you are in the world. We will always say that please do like and subscribe to the podcast if you can. Share it if you see the post on social media. Give it a retweet or repost, whatever it's called these days, a like. 
tell a friend if they don't listen to the podcast. That really is the best way to give back to us. We really do appreciate that. Also, a shout out to Hypnotic, their new song, Smolder. Uh, the link is in the description. I think we might have even used the stings for that if Nafe has edited in time. If not, I've just thrown him under the bus again. Um, thank you to you, wherever you are in the world. Take care, enjoy, and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.